Hello, welcome back to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast Extra episode. For myself, Tim, and the wonderful Andrea is joining us today to talk about scaling your marketing. Because this is the kind of thing that a lot of people kind of have misconceptions about. They think that you just need to, scaling your marketing means turn everything up, put as much money as you can into stuff, put more into certain areas, whereas actually a lot of people tend to do things in the wrong order a bit. So today we're going to kind of be demystifying this, especially in time for the new year, which is a big time where the word scaling gets thrown about a lot, but people don't really know. They know it's the thing they need to do, but they don't really know what it's what it's for. So um, Tim, anything you have to add to that intro? Because I feel like this is a topic that you're quite up to speed on. Same with you, Andrea. Yes. I mean, like Andrea, sort of a decent part of my daily conversation is with businesses that are considering scaling their digital marketing. And uh, I think, yeah, like you said, Jess, New Year is a time when lots of people are starting to set their goals if they haven't already and think about which levers they're going to pull to generate more growth over the next 12 months. Um, 12 months is a pretty good time period to work with with digital marketing scaling plans as well. So we're going to talk about how to do this in a strategic way rather than just, uh, yeah, turn all the dials up to 10 and hope that the results also go up to 10 because it's not always uh, linear like that. And the good news is that there are some levers that you can pull to scale with relatively small additional costs. So uh, I think it's a good topic. It's an exciting one. We all love scale, right? We don't, you know what? It's really interesting as well because I think if you asked any of my team this, one of the biggest comments we ever get left for reviews is skill my SEO. Is like that's what they request they're looking for help with. It is the number one question and answer that we get. We get coming through from a review perspective. So yeah, absolutely on the nose with this one, I would say. Yeah, very exciting. It's perfect, like we said, perfect, perfect time of year for it. So as with pretty much any marketing strategy, the first step is to start with a goal or a target. But what would you two kind of recommend in terms of like time frame or the types of goals that people should be setting really? Yeah, this is a super interesting one, Andreas. And I think you've done so much on this for us already from like fantastic blog content. If you're not sure, there were like there's a 2023 marketing budget and how you should go about it over on our website. Um, but I think it's, being realistic you know nobody gets from zero to 100 miles an hour in months it just doesn't happen and I think a lot of businesses that we get through from a review stage who are looking to scale up actually need to take a bit of a step back to begin with thinking about their business goals where they are at this moment in time what is a sensible growth target for the business overall? What have they been doing for the last five years, the last few years overall? What has that growth looked like for them? And then thinking about the marketplace, the conditions where your target audience is at this moment in time, always super sensible things to be thinking about when you're looking to put growth goals in place. But obviously, Tim, you'll be the expert in this as well from Exposure Ninja and the growth that we have and, and kind of recommendations from there. I, I think everything you said is absolutely bang on, Andrea. I think choosing how ambitious goals should be and, and how sort of realistic you should be also depends on where you're at at the moment, right? So um, if you're a business that, you know, we, we've had clients that are sort of large multinationals and they've got really good visibility, but they have like super low conversion rates. And in that sort of situation, actually, it could be quite straightforward to scale because they just need to fix 
the thing that's broken, right? And I think it's really important early on to work out whether there's something broken that you can fix, because sometimes then it's just like unblocking a pipe, which can lead to much more dramatic scale. Whereas if you've got like a super fine-tuned campaign and you've been doing this for a long time and it's all really like working well, and you've decided that this year is the year that you're going to 10x, well, you've got to think, okay, where is that going to come from? It might just be that you have to 10 or 15x your budget in order to generate that growth. So I think it's about appreciating sort of where you're from and how much low-hanging fruit there's going to be, um, which you know is, is the first thing that we'd suggest after you've set some sort of goal, really. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, I think goal setting is is one of those things that it feels like a bit of a box ticking exercise for a lot of people. And they're just kind of like, oh, everybody says that, but it really, really is so important. And it's about the type of goals you set as well. You know, it's all well and good saying we want to make more money. Um, but, you know, maybe you need to be focusing on more specific things like revenue or conversions and actually finding something that is achievable for you. You know, if, if your goal is 10x, but for the past few years, you've only managed to barely even 1x, your your leads and sales you know it's it's a big big ask so definitely make sure um make sure that you're being sensible but ambitious you know you want something that you need to reach for um and you know stretch your muscles a little bit but you don't want something that's going to be you don't want to make promises as well to key stakeholders that are just not achievable just because you've watched a marketing video that said that you can 10x. We do that sometimes, I'm not going to lie, but there's some people out there who say you can 10x your marketing strategy by sending text messages to all your customers and stuff, which is a bit odd. Um, <laughs> so yeah, once you've set your goals, what's kind of the next step, would you say, Tim? Because once you set the goals, the world is your oyster, which can be very exciting, but also a, a bit too much, you almost spoil for choice. So what's kind of the next step, would you say? I think scaling is about first fixing and then multiplying right i was talking to uh, i was talking to i spoke to two businesses yesterday that want to scale their digital marketing so one of them was that they had proof of concept and they were already doing something well with with google ads they're a funded startup uh, they had some blue chip clients which they were generating through google ads and they said we want to scale our marketing and in that situation okay great this ad account isn't being run particularly well um, we know that it's working. You're getting some leads and sales from it. So great. So you can scale that. You can literally just increase the budget in Google ads whilst also improving the performance that should scale. And then because we've got a proof of concept, we can, um, we can, uh, you know, if, if PPC search ads are working, then organic search is also going to work. Um, we've also had a client, large multinational who has had some reasonably good visibility with their SEO and uh, wanted to scale the impact of this. They wanted to generate more leads across all of their, their global areas, but they had a really low conversion rate and weren't generating many leads and they wanted to scale their SEO. Now that's okay and you could scale their SEO, but the trouble is going back to that sort of blocked pipe analogy earlier, you could scale the SEO, but you're still driving that traffic to a model that fundamentally doesn't seem to be working that well. So in that situation, rather than starting off with, let's just crank SEO, let's get more lead links and let's build out more content. Let's actually first fix the thing that's blocking those leads from coming through in the first place. Because once we do that, we can multiply. So I think it's, you, you can't really multiply zeros, or you can, but it's, it's very sad and, and not particularly productive. So first is to get that zero to a one, and then you can start multiplying. So 
I'd say take stock, work out whether you've got a zero or whether you've got a one that you just need to accelerate. Yeah, that sounds very sensible. Very sensible. I think all of this kind of leads back to as well as understanding your business and actually understanding your target audience, understanding the journey that that target audience goes on to be able to then fix it and make sure that that is absolutely aligned in everything you're doing from your website right the way through to then your traffic strategy and upwards from there. And it happens so many times, don't it? We see it so many, so many times where we can make those little tweaks, little changes to make sure it's got that much bigger picture um, than what we've got from a, I just want 10 times more of this, please. And it's like, it's going to work so much harder if we take a step back first. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, you might even find that once you've done this step, you might go back and revise your goals because your goals might turn into like, instead of driving traffic, you might realize, oh, actually, I am getting a lot of traffic. It's just not converting because, you know, the CTA is poor or the landing pages are poor. I think I said just before we got on this podcast that it's like sending people to an empty warehouse and expecting them to know what to do next. You know, you can fill a warehouse with people, but if there's nothing for them to do, then you're not going to get anything out of it other than having a warehouse full of people. Um, so, you know, you do, you may have to go back and actually adjust your goals and think, okay, maybe I need to put the money this year into improving the website, improving the CTAs, improving content, um, all these things. And then later is when you'll want to put more effort into SEO, maybe PPC. Um, so yeah, it's just all about figuring out what kind of, what kind of things are actually important to your business when you look under the surface. But I mean, once you've kind of found these things, found these areas that are kind of, will give you the most leverage, what, what do you do now? And what are some common things as well that both of you see that businesses think, oh, actually I need to do a big sexy marketing campaign when really if they do something for that's easier and cheaper, they'll actually get much bigger wins out of it. It's an interesting one. I think for, um, for us in particular, we will always get that element of businesses wanting to just go straight for bottom of funnel. Like they want bums on seats. They want sales coming through, which absolutely 100% you know, should always be a part of any strategy that you're putting together. But it's the bigger picture. There might only be so much that you can go after from that. And sometimes talking to uh, what we call the the non-sexy businesses, the boring businesses, which quite frankly, we absolutely adore, are those lead generation ones where you um, sometimes sat looking at the review for five minutes going, I don't even know what this business does yet. That's an area of improvement for this business because if I don't know what they do and I'm sat there for five minutes, we need to work it out. So it's it's kind of really making sure that you're, you're understanding that positioning of your business you're understanding your target audience you're understanding what is going to cut through against your competitors so that you're shining in the light of the eyes of your target audience as they're hitting your website and thinking about that journey you know I think we we talk quite long about 80% of traffic that comes into your website is not looking for that final step call to action. They're looking to start their journey of actually understanding whether or not they have a need for a service or a solution. And it's making sure you have that journey in place. You know, if you're, you're creating fantastic content, how are you capturing that content? How are you nurturing that content? And it's looking at the bigger picture. And that for me is where the big scalability comes from is actually understanding the journey in a lot more detail rather than just going, 
bottom of funnel, bottom of funnel, bottom of funnel. It's understanding how you're going to capture them. Um, I think we talk about it so hard. I mean, Tim, you have the most fantastic examples of this usually, but it is where, you know, if you are buying something, you don't go, I want this brand and this make at this price. And then you go off searching for it. You you have a journey that you go on as a consumer to get to that end result. And if you're not on the list from doing that research, you're never going to get found to begin with. Yeah. Definitely, definitely agree. You also made me think of this um, example that Tim used in our recent um, search generative experience video, which was just, um, it wasn't necessarily part of that video, but it was just a kind of something that came up in SEMrush. But um, there was one business, it was a law firm who was getting a lot of traffic for an article they'd written about Dr. Dre's divorce. Now, it's one of those, isn't it, where you're thinking, oh, amazing, I'm getting so much traffic for this, maybe we should write more of this kind of content to get more people at the top of the funnel. But then when, when you actually take stock and step back, you realize, oh, these people are all just here for the gossip because celebrity divorces are big knowledge. They're not actually here to hire a lawyer and they're probably not going to remember us from this. Or how can we turn this into something that the everyday person will sort of get something out of and understand that they may need to hire a lawyer earlier than they think or they should have somebody on retainer or they should build a relationship with their lawyer like how could you kind of make it how could you adjust that content to be actually relevant to your target audience in a way that makes them convert kind of went around the houses to explain that there but um I think it was just because you talked about the bottom of the funnel Andrew it kind of got me thinking about the top and how many businesses have this content that gets them loads of loads of traffic but no conversions um and that's the kind of quick win that you can um that you can think about as well. Um, Tim, what thoughts did you have on kind of identifying the areas of, of high leverage for businesses? Um, yes, uh, Phil Trante, I think I'm saying that right, has asked, um, how can I, I can't read it while it's highlighted, how can I figure out my buyer journey? What about the bits I can't see like social? I think that's a, that's a really good question. That's also a massive piece of your marketing planning, should be just talking to your customers. So I would arrange phone call conversations with you know, five, 10, 15, 20, just, just keep going until you start getting the same answers over and over again. But I would be talking to them to ask them, you know, how did you find us and all that type of stuff that, of course, you can see with, you know, GA4 or whatever, you can see how people have taken different touch points and, and met you, but you're never going to get a perfect data picture of exactly how people find you and what their, their sort of their needs and their requirements are. Whereas if you actually just talk to people, then you can really start to find out um, and, uh, you know, it's going to give you a much better picture to do your marketing to, but I mean, there's typically what three or four areas of high leverage, which are not massively sexy, but can really impact the performance of a campaign. So conversion rate optimization, if people are landing on your website, but not turning into a lead or sale, that's going to be, you know, really key. We spoke about the large multinational earlier. If they've got no calls to action. Then just adding calls to action is going to improve the conversion rate of all of the leads that they're getting, making every digital marketing channel that they do more productive. And they may not even need to increase their traffic in, in order to hit their revenue or their lead goals because they've been getting a whole bunch of traffic that's just been leaving anyway. So that's one area. Email marketing, another area of massive potential leverage um, and you know, looking if you're a service business, what's happening when someone fills in a lead form? Are they getting an indoctrination sequence that educates them about your business? If you're an e-commerce business, what happens when they make a purchase? Are they getting follow-ups? Are they getting broadcasts? Are they getting new, um, you know, product offering stuff? Like that? 
our email marketing campaigns for a European content award. And I would bet my house that it's going to win. It generated 13 times ROI on an email campaign and within months as well. And what that does is having those email automations in the back end means that you can spend more money on traffic. You can do more SEO. You can pay higher CPCs for your ads because you know that each of the people that comes through and converts is going to be worth more to you. So that's a really good base to start scaling from because not only does it just scale everything that you're currently doing, but it means that, you know, if you wanted to be more competitive, you wanted to be more aggressive with what you're targeting, the amount of traffic you're targeting from PPC, you're going to be so much more profitable once you get that traffic through. Um, so I'd look for like scaling opportunities like that. Increasing average order value is another one, uh, particularly for e-commerce businesses. A lot of direct consumer brands have really struggled over the last couple of years because they went straight out of the gate. Let's buy loads of customers from Facebook. They were buying those customers unprofitably, expecting venture backing to sort of see them through that venture backing or any debt that they've taken on is now more expensive or less common. So they're having to think about profitability and the D2C brands that you'll see survive and thrive and able to scale are ones where they have a way of increasing the average order value again, meaning that they can afford to invest more in getting that traffic through. So. I think about those types of levers um, before you start scaling any traffic sources, which all cost money and take time. The email one as well, I think in particular, obviously, again, think about the lead generation. We got a lot of the B2B who are very much like, I don't need email marketing. That's only for e-commerce businesses, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh my God, here we go. Um, and it's just like, I think we have the most incredible, uh, I don't want to name drop them, but like the B2B accreditation service that we work with, like the, the revenue we drove from their email marketing that was just sat in their pipeline because there was nothing in play for them was absolutely phenomenal but I think that they're an absolute perfect example now of like one of the biggest things we always see within reviews we'll see like these amazing b2b leads and they'll be creating the most fantastic content resources insights the lot in the section there are no call to actions there are no somebody is producing the most fantastic content in the world getting traffic into the website and they are doing nothing with that traffic and it's thinking about that email marketing and how you're going to nurture it and make sure that actually everything's in play so you'll see on like their website where they've got content around an assessment form and making it easy their call to action is then to actually get a guide for the assessment form so that they can fill it out and then guess what if they can't do it they're going to that business to be able to go help i can't do this you've tried to help me, you've got goodwill gesture from me, you've got my details, this is my next step when I can't do it myself. And it's thinking about that, that customer journey again, how are you going to give them something that's going to be incredibly useful to them and then start to nurture them and explain about your business and why they should be using you. But that's a massive one for me because I think e-commerce businesses to a degree get it and think they do that tick box exercise of having the tank off and all the rest of it. But the B2B, the lead generation businesses are a lot slower at adapting to that. And that is a massive area to be able to scale up and make more revenue for sure. Andrea, is that ever a situation where it is acceptable morally to not have a call to action on a content page no no i would agree with that yeah. morally 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 incorrect here yeah Tim said you're morally incorrect yeah yeah and i think it's important to remember that it shouldn't be the same cta on every page i think a lot of businesses make that mistake where they'll just put They've made one CTA, but also put a lot of effort into it. And they're like, this should be fine because actually 
it's probably not going to be fine for every single piece of content, especially depending on different stages of the funnel, because people are going to be, they're not, maybe not going to be ready for a free consultation or to buy because that's a really big commitment for them, but they might be happy to sign up to an email list in exchange for some downloadable content or something like that. So you do have, um, you do have some opportunities to actually move people down the funnel faster by including CTAs that aren't at the bottom of the funnel, uh, which sounds counterproductive, but it's really not. Um, Andrew, we had a question. It's not totally to do with scaling, but it's very, very relevant to what you were saying. Um, the Tuesday Club asked, what's one thing I could do to make my boring business less dry? And I think this is a really great question for Tim as well, because Tim, you're really passionate about um, boring, quote unquote, boring businesses as well, because there's so much potential, especially if the rest of your industry is not putting the effort in and is just resigned to the fact that they are boring. Um, so I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this. Tuesday Club, let me tell you right now, your target audience does not think you're boring. You may think you're boring and you see yourself as outwardly boring, but let me tell you right now, if you've got a solution or a service to your target audience, they are going to love you and they do not see it in that way, shape or form. So it's about positioning yourself correctly to that target audience so that they see you in the light that you want to be seen as. And if you you tell us right now, what, why, what your purpose is, why somebody should be using you. And then you need to build yourself up around that. Thinking about what you do, that's so special. I think like the likes of um, Bevan always uses this one where he talks about he'll ask a client. If you were in a, in a pub with somebody, you were talking to them um, about what your business is, how would you describe what your business is? And you may lead with, oh, it's really boring. But by the time you've got dug into it, you're really excited about it. You're not doing this for nothing. There's something that's really exciting to your target audience. And it's pulling that out and drawing that out so that you are telling them as soon as they hit your website, this is me. This is for you. You're in the right place. Yeah, there's a really great example of a business. I think they're called Asheville. Dale will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but they are like haulage and waste collection and they have a youtube channel where they just post videos about the business and the waste and haulage videos the uh, waste and haulage jobs that they do and like they are quite popular on youtube and do pretty well and it's like i was that i've said um asheville now has a national geographic video series dale has just shared with us how wild is that all because this person just wanted to share his journey with his business on YouTube and a lot of people were interested in it. Like I always bring this up, but I watch these people trimming cows hooves and I just think it's fascinating. And there's loads of people that watch it and aren't in that industry, but there's also loads of people who watch and get tips from it. The guy sells a course, he has his own product range, he has merch, like there's all these, I'm not saying you necessarily need to do that, but there's so many things about what you do that other people find really, really interesting that you just, don't um don't expect so yeah trust me there are there are ways um of doing things which... it, i think it's passion that people find entertaining isn't it people if you're passionate about your business like fundamentally explosion ninja is you could argue an incredibly boring business and there are certainly like search focused digital agencies out there that are really super super boring because they don't really care about what they do right so I think you, you make it fun by 
being passionate about it yourself, but also thinking about, like you said, Andrea, the, the results that you're generating or the impact that you have. Uh, we worked for many years with a, a ball bearing manufacturer. You can really get more boring than ball bearings, right? You can really get more uh, commoditized than ball bearings, but actually they're incredibly passionate about the fact that if you're installing these ball bearings, you're not gonna have to replace them after however long. And it turned out they were doing ball bearings for like NASA and all these Formula One teams and all this type of stuff. Actually, ball bearings literally make the world go round. Well, not literally, but they make all the items on the world go round. Um, and, you know, before long, after 10 minutes of conversation, there's actually a real passion there. And there's a passion for that business that can be communicated through the marketing, which all of a sudden positions you completely different from your competitors, which are fed up with their businesses. They are fed up with their industry. So, yeah, be uh, be pumped about it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, just before we get on to the next section, I just want to say if you are listening to this and thinking, I do not know where to start and I'm very stressed about this. We have a very nice downloadable template that you can check out called the 90 minute marketing master plan, which will help you basically, if you plug in 90 minutes into it, you'll have a much better view of everything that you need to do for your marketing. And it looks very swish as well. And it's just very, it's, it's gamifies the process a little bit and just makes it a little bit more fun and gives you that structure that at this time of year, you can just be like, ah, I don't know where to start. So please, um, please check that out if you have a couple of moments. I'm very quickly as well going to answer a question, another question from the Tuesday Club about how many CTAs you should have on a page. Um, and then we'll get back onto um, the, how to actually scale your marketing channels. So from my experience as a content writer, I tend to put the most important CTA for that content that's most relevant, the highest in that content, and then add more relevant but less maybe less important CTAs throughout the content or just ones that fit into the guide so for instance I might be writing a guide about um tripling your traffic and saying something about emails and I'll say here's a guide we made earlier that we use to gather email <laughs> you know people's emails like we're quite we're quite brazen with that but it's for instance I've been writing some content about a law firm uh, marketing playbook that we've been doing so those blogs start with the cta to download the playbook but then there's also other things for people who maybe are just curious about how law firms do marketing and don't want to download such a tailored ebook but they might be interested in downloading our book or they might want to speak to us and get a free review which you can also get exposureninjacom slash review um, nice little plug there but it really it really depends on the page and you might want to think okay if for instance the home page you of course want to have like your biggest CTA at the top, but you might have an alternative CTA for people that aren't quite ready. And you might want to think about the reasons why people are scrolling down your page. Is it because they're not ready and they need a different type of CTA to push them forward? Um, Tim and Andrew, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that. Yeah, I would, I would agree wholeheartedly. I think um, the the blogs that we have on Exposure Ninja as well, I will tend to to highlight those within reviews as a really great example of, you know, this is ultimately what we want people to do, just like you've done is you've requested your digital marketing review. Um, but also what we've got down further down here as well is that people coming into this blog post might not yet be ready for that. Their business might not yet be ready for that. They're at a much earlier stage of their process. So we have lead magnets that will look to hopefully get people into email marketing to then give them something really useful. And I think that's the age old proposition of a, of a call to action is the, the high value, the low risk 
it's always been the same and it always will be if you've got something that's useful to somebody and you're not you know asking them to fill in 25 questions in order to get that something then you've got a shot of getting them into your email marketing funnel so it's always worth testing trying refining different call to actions and trying them against different pieces of content as well to mix and match and see what works hardest as you're getting more and more volume into your website as well what you're going to want to think about is actually things like heat mapping as well, looking to see, um, I think, you know, we can mention good old Ron at Golf Course Lun, I think he's been on the, on the YouTube channel. One of his first things that when I was speaking to him about the campaign was his his heat mapping. And I was like, you know, you he, as soon as we started talking about it, within a few days of him looking at his heat map analysis, he could see that everyone was honing in on these products and they were right at the bottom of the page. So he brought them up and then guess what? He started to sell more of them. So it's that kind of background as well. If you've got those kind of strategies in play and software elements in play that you can really tap into and see what's working and what's not working. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's um, sometimes it can be the smallest change. Maybe you're doing everything right, but just in the wrong order. Um, so it's important to, yeah, I think heat mapping is is really great. You can use, for instance, Hotjar. Um, I believe offers some free plans if you wanted to try that out and learn a bit about your heat mapping or you can speak to us and we can help you out with that because it's a little bit developery and technically, I believe. Um, we've been on a little adventure for a while, so I'm going to bring us back to um, talking about scaling your marketing channels. So once you've actually identified the channels that you want to scale, what's next? Big question, I know, but that's what, that's what I, you know, marketing managers will be thinking. What on earth do I do now? <laughs> Go on my, my channels, what's next? I, I think this is, this depends on the on the particular channel. So with a lot of paid channels, if you want to scale, you're gonna be scaling your budget. There's no sort of way around that. And you need to be you need to be sensitive when you're doing it. So if you've had like a, a Google search ad campaign, for example, uh, that's been running for a long time and you want to double the results that it's generating, you may not want to just jump straight in and double the budget because it's going to take Google a little while to warm up and, and find a productive use for all that additional budget. So you probably want to scale it a bit more gradually. Um, I would also suggest that it, as part of your marketing strategy, you will have wanted to project what your metrics should be throughout the year in order to hit your goals. At, when we're doing this for clients, we work on a quarterly basis. So we'll set quarterly milestones that get them to the annual goal. And that allows us to work out even by month inside each of those quarters where we need to be in order to hit our goals. What we don't want to do is just say, right, we're going to double the number of leads that we're generating per month from this particular channel. So let's just go for it. And we'll hope that by the end of the year, we're about there. We want to make sure that we can see that progress throughout the year. And we want to set those milestones ahead of time so that we know if we're off track, we'll see that nice and early. Otherwise, it becomes a thing of, like, oh, we're not quite there yet, but maybe we'll catch up later on in the year. Whereas if you're just super clear about exactly where you need to be each month, you can make those adjustments as you go rather than waiting until it's too late. Yeah, I totally agree with, with all of what um, what Tim has said there. It's um, If you know you've got everything right, if you know you are scaling from a paperclip perspective, it it hopefully makes it a much easier proposition for the likes of budget sign-off because you know if you put X in, you're going to get Y out and that will make sense financially because everything else is running beautifully and your machine is working in the back end and your conversions are coming through and it is just a case of scale with reinvestment from there with the paid ads. 
Um, obviously, other channels have a slightly different kettle of fish when we're looking at uh, different elements of how you can scale. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We've got a few minutes left, so it'd be really nice to know a bit about adding new marketing channels. So even though, you know, what we've talked about a lot is is kind of scaling your existing channels, the way that some businesses might need to scale is by adding new channels. For instance, a big one that we've talked about today is email. So how can you kind of take what you know and take that into a new space? If we're looking at um, email, I would certainly say it is understanding that customer journey. So you know your customer journey, you understand what's going to entice them into your email marketing funnel and then matching the kind of traffic strategy that you've got. So if you are going bottom of funnel, we need something that's going to entice them into bottom of funnel. We're going more middle of funnel where they're in that consideration phase. We need a call to action that matches that. And again, top of funnel again in that research mode. So it's all about matching your journey. Um, it's obviously something we do day in, day out here with the likes of we have an automation um, email funnel set up for businesses who need that very advice and that very help. So it's certainly something that, that you know we can do inside out and back to front. Um, if you're, for me personally, SEO is the, the big one for me where if you know you've been running pay-per-click, you, you, there's always that consideration phase when you get to pay-per-click of, do I put more money into pay-per-click or do I now start moving into SEO content marketing so I'm not reliant on paying Google month in, month out for every piece of traffic that comes through to my website? Um, here, we are very much obviously in favor of, yes, when you get to a certain level with paid advertising, we'd recommend moving to SEO. And the beautiful thing here is with pay-per-click is you will have so many learnings of what has worked, what hasn't worked. It's almost been a, a little bit of a test for your SEO strategy with what's getting you results and what's generating results. So you've kind of got a bit of a head start to know where people are coming from it and what is working, what's generating revenue. And that would certainly be a great opportunity to look at what you've done with pay-per-click and move that over to the likes of a content strategy to start to deliver organically. Um, obviously with SGE on the horizon as well, that's another cut of fish that obviously you guys know inside out and back to front that you wanna be aware of as well of what's coming up. Um, but I would personally say that that's where we generally tend to recommend because nobody wants to be paying Google every single month because the minute they flick that switch off or somebody else has bigger budgets than you, it's game over. Yeah, definitely. But I'd also like to add as well, if you're finding that search is performing really, really well for you in terms of SEO, then maybe, and you're not doing PPC, maybe you actually need to do almost not necessarily the opposite, but you need to kind of support your SEO with some search campaigns. Or if you're doing really great on social media, for instance, then you should try out, you know, resharing some of your gorgeous content. Or if you're getting some amaz amazing user-generated content, then, you know, you can repurpose that for paid ads so there's plenty of things that you can do um, in terms of adding adding new channels tim i know you've got a bit of a silly connection but i don't know if there's anything you want to add uh yeah ron has asked a great question about how many marketing channels do your best performing e-commerce clients use it's it's a difficult question to answer the wrong answer is one because one can turn to zero, um, but sometimes it'll be SEO and PPC, uh, so SEO and paid search or SEO and shopping, and, and those can work really well together. Uh, sometimes it'll be Facebook ads, sometimes it'll be LinkedIn ads. Like it, it really depends on the business and how easy it is to find the audience. Um, so what the, the sort of advice that we work to is 
make sure that you've got your core channels working and then test other channels. If it looks like those other channels are going to be profitable, great. Keep doing them, keep scaling them and keep building out as many channels as you can find that are profitable. There's no reason why you would limit the number of channels just because you know there's some arbitrary number. Uh, but at the same time, if you know that you've got like one organic and one paid channel working really well and you've tried other stuff and it's really not working, then maybe the key for you is just to go all in on those two channels um, just so long as you're not, uh, as long as you're not like completely tied to one particular, uh, one particular horse in case that horse suddenly dies and you're left floundering. <laughs> yeah. As long as those channels aren't like TikTok and then also TikTok ads, because that, yes. um, isn't, isn't, that definitely isn't what we mean. We mean, um, you know, kind of balancing it out and making sure you haven't got all your all your eggs in one basket as they say we had a question earlier which i think is very very relevant and i think is going to be well i know is going to be very important to a lot of people which is about sge should people be concerned who's arguing with me about the connection issues let me have my question on the screen, please, Dale. Thank you. Um, should we be concerned about SGE and our marketing plans? Now, I do have a video here, which will also be linked in the description of this podcast, which you can watch, that we launched yesterday, which shares our secret, and it's, well, it's not really secret anymore, but our secret and exciting findings about SGE and um, the ways that you can start testing your ranking and actually ranking in this tim i don't know if there's anything you want to add about that briefly um no it's difficult to build sg into your projections for next year because we don't know when exactly it's going to be released and we don't know how it's going to be rolled out and we don't know how many searches it's going to be visible for so i think it's really difficult to build it into your projections internally we're actually not really building it into our client projections but what we are doing is testing it with each client to make sure we know how to get them ranking in sge so that when it does get rolled out we can very quickly pivot and make sure that all of their content on their site is ranking for the terms that we want to target. So I think there's, there are too many unknowns at the moment to be able to build it into your projections, um, but you do want that reassurance. If you're gonna have a really happy Christmas, you want that reassurance of knowing that if this thing drops on the 1st of January or whatever, you know how to get your website ranking on SG, and that's what the video and blog post that we've uh, published should help you do. Definitely, yes. And if you're watching live, you can find that in the um, comments or if you're catching up, you can find it in the description. We've got time for one more question for Andrew, which I think is very exciting, which is how can you scale your marketing when you're opening a new office in a new state? I think this is this is something that we've done, something that's very exciting and something that's very, very possible indeed. Most definitely. Uh, yeah, very exciting. Congratulations on your new office and your new state. Please do drop us a line if you'd like us to have a little look at a marketing review for you. We can show you exactly how we would recommend that. Um, with certainly with anything, this comes from amazing, I would say, learnings. So what have we learned about your proposition? What's working well for you at this moment of time? How have you got to the state where you're able to now be able to grow into a new state? There's certainly some elements that have been working from there. And then almost that is all about setting your strategy, setting your goals, looking at the competition around you, looking at what's realistic in that new state. Is it a, 
a completely different set of competitors that we're up against? Have they got bigger budgets? Do you need to be looking to go more aggressively in that state versus where you are at this moment in time? There are so many factors that we need, will need to consider and look at and Certainly, I'll say what we'll do within the, the marketing review. If you want to drop me a line or drop one of the team a line, we can look at that for you. Um, have a little look at how you're getting on in your current state and then have a little dig around that geography of the news date and we can look at the different propositions for you from there for sure. Um, I know you guys have dealt more on campaigns for this kind of stuff, so you've probably got a bit more secret source information of uh, the kind of things that we do, but we tend to look at a, a kind of a bigger picture version where are the opportunities? Where are we going to find them for you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It, it kind of depends on the channel. So we've got some track record of doing this for businesses using Google Business, uh, so like Google local listings. Um, obviously, it's just setting up a new listing in the location, but also editing your website content to show Google that you're super relevant for that new state and um, making sure you've got all the directory listings and making sure that you're starting to build links to any new location pages that you've added onto your website as well. There's also some more fundamental changes that need to happen with the content on your website to show Google that you're relevant for these now two locations. So it does get a little bit more tricky, I would say. Um, but like Andrew said, the good news is that you've got some proof of concept. You've usually got an effective CTA. You've usually got some offers that work quite well. So you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from a good baseline. And of course, you should have some authority on your website that you can start ranking for the new state as well. So um, yeah, it, it depends on the channels that you're using, but it's it's basically take a, a what already works playbook from your current state and just literally transplant it over. Um, so yeah, request a review and we'll be able to help you. Yeah, like, like um, both Tim and Andrea said, this is something we've done before. Um, and it's definitely more than just, um, obviously having a Google business listing is very, very important and really helps. There's all sorts of different things. Like we work with a client who had already had two locations, but was getting way more traffic to one of the locations, which actually wasn't the one they wanted to, they wanted to focus on both, but the balance wasn't quite there. The smaller city was getting them more traffic and they wanted more traffic to get to them from the bigger city and they weren't kind of sure where the disconnect was. So yeah, we're very, we're very up to speed on how to kind of fix those problems and we can sort of see it from, see it from afar, I would say. So yeah, if you, if you would like to request a review at exposureninja.com slash review, you're more than welcome to. Um, and somebody will get back to you soon. I think that's all we've got time for today which we've done pretty well i feel like we could go on and on um thank you so much for coming on today andrea and thank you tim as well even though your internet has been causing problems today it's been a bad actor how rude of it um don't forget to subscribe to this youtube channel if you're watching live or on catch up or follow us on our podcast platforms if you enjoyed this and of course as always leave us a review we'll be back next tuesday talking about marketing again totally forgot what the topic is i think it might be seo or content it'll be marketing themed it's gonna be one of them it's gonna be, be one, one of them it'll be you one of those marketing more of those marketing things now if you follow us on social you'll get an update beforehand and of course if you're subscribed to our emails you'll also get an email about it so find us everywhere pretty much and <laughs> we'll see you next week bye everyone Bye, everyone.